We've been talking about the devil's game in Genesis chapter 3. The devil's game in Genesis chapter 3. And it says this in the first verse. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He was more crafty. That word crafty means trickery, clever, capacity for understanding, cunning, and sneaky. And the reason why I think it's so important to understand our enemy is not to glorify him. Not to lift him up and to make him look like he's more than what he is because he is simply a fallen angel who deceives and he's been deceiving and there is no truth in him. Everything he says is a lie. Even if it's mixed with truth, it's still a lie. And this is, this is who he is. This is the craftiness that he has. And that's why the Bible tells us in Mark 13, Jesus tells us, watch out that no one deceives you. And deception is what I want to concentrate on this morning because there are a lot of things out there that deceives us. There are a lot of things out there that deceive us. Um, you look in the news media. Sometimes they deceive us on purpose. They'll, they'll do an angle. They'll do an angle of a story that doesn't have the whole truth. Remember the, the situation where the young students were visiting the Capitol and, and uh, they had the, the, the Nathan, I forget his name, he comes up, runs up to the boy, and, and, and what does the news say? The news says that the boys were egging on the, the gentleman and they were trying to harm him, and, but it wasn't the case. He went up to the boys and was egging them on. But the news, they had the footage, but it didn't fit their narrative, so they used it and they spun it the way they did. And so there's, a, there's deception that happens all around us, and that's why Jesus says, watch out that no one deceives you. Now, we were talking about the end times last week, and I'm not going to go over the details of what I did last week. If you missed it, you can listen to it um, online. But I do believe that the church is going to be raptured. And, and I believe that we are going to be caught up before the great tribulation happens. I just, it's the easiest way to read Scripture. You know, sometimes when you try to make theories work in Scripture, you take certain verses and you use it for your understanding. Um, just like my wife and I, we were, we were talking the other day about different things, and, and we were both kind of like, you know, what does this verse say? What does this mean? And we're just kind of going through a little theology. And finally, I mentioned one verse, and she's like, game changer. You know, because if you look at Scripture entirely, it has to be consistent. You can't just take one verse and use it for advantage. Because if that's the case, then I have a verse that I can use to hate my parents. I have a verse that I can use to go fishing all the time trying to pay my taxes, right? I have verses that I can use, but you want to be consistent with Scripture. So I believe that the rapture is the most consistent picture that we have in Scripture. Why? Well, it says in Titus 2, it tells us that for for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul tells us there is this blessed hope that we have. There is something we can look forward to that he's coming again. He's coming again. But the problem is, is that people mix the second coming and the rapture and they try to combine the two. But the second coming and the rapture are completely different. The rapture is for the church to be saved from the wrath of God. And the second coming is to bring judgment. And that's why in Revelation 1-7 it says, Look, he is coming in the clouds, Jesus. 
And every eye will see him, those, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I don't believe that we are going to be mourning when Jesus comes with the trumpet call. I don't. Because the Bible never tells us we're going to be mourning. It's a day of celebration. We're going to be transformed from the perishable to the imperishable. In the twinkling of the eye, we will be, we will be caught up with him. We will be changed and transformed. It's going to be great. It's going to be party. It's going to be great. But deception happens in our world, and that's why I think it's important to know the, the importance of what we truly believe, what we truly believe. Jesus, I believe, is going to rapture the church, like I said. The tribulation time will begin. Revelation 1.19 gives us this outline, right? Therefore, what you've seen, what is now, what will take place later. Um, once again, chapter 1 was the now, or the, what he saw, chapter Two and three is about the time of the church. And then chapter four, it begins by saying, after this, I looked up and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So clearly Jesus has given us a simple outline. What, have you, what you saw, what is now, and then what will take place later. So that's why I believe it's future. During this time, during the revelation, just a quick overview of revelation, 144,000 Jews will be there to preach. A great multitudes will come from the tribulation of saints that would be killed because of their stand for God and they refuse to get the mark of the beast. There would be these trumpet sounds that are announcing the judgment of God. People will, will perish. The land will be destroyed. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty horrible thing that's going to happen. Finally, the, the seals were opened, the trumpets sound, and then the final seven plagues will happen. The bowls that are filled with God's wrath will pour out upon this world. Plagues and sicknesses will happen, earthquakes that have never been seen before. Finally, the destruction of Babylon, and then Jesus comes back, and he's the writer who is called Faithful and True. And he will strike down the nations and set up his kingdom for a thousand years, and this is what we call the millennial reign. Now, there's a lot of different denominations that believe that the millennial reign uh, is just a figurative thing, but I like to take Scripture at face value unless it tells us differently. You know, sometimes people, you know, will, will say, well, Jesus said he was a door. You don't take that literally. Well, John 10 tells us that Jesus used figurative speech. He literally says he used figures of speech in order for them to know. So there are things that are figurative. There are things that are allegorical. There are things that are meant to give us visual pictures not to be taken literally. Just like when John saw the, the Pharisees, he said, you brood of vipers. Well, maybe that was literal. I don't know. But he, you know, there are things where we just know you don't take things literally. So if there's no reason to take things not literally, then I don't think we should just change it. So I believe there's a literal thousand-year reign that's going to happen. And this is where I want to bring our attention to Revelation 20. Now, like I said, I went through there pretty quick, but I want you to, to just go back and listen to last week if you want a little more detail on what's happening here. Because I want to focus on the millennial reign and why it's important for us to understand the devil's game of deception. It says this, And I saw an angel come down out of heaven having the key to the abyss or the bottomless pit and holding in his hand a great chain he seized the dragon and the ancient serpent who is the devil or satan and bound him for a thousand years he threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until a thousand years were ended after this after that he must be set free for a short time 
I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or the image and not received its mark on their foreheads or hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in this first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Several times in this text, it's repeated, for a thousand years, Christ will reign with the saints that have been appointed to help out during this time. Christ will reign a thousand years. For a thousand years, Jesus is going to set up his government. They are going to rule upon the earth. The Antichrist and the false prophet have already been dealt with. They are sent to hell. They are in the lake of fire where they will be forever and ever. But the devil is bound with this great chain, is bound and thrown into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Jesus sets up his administration and then begins to bring order back upon the earth. And for the next thousand years, people will be born in a system governed by Jesus. Think about that. That people, because... We have no indication in Scripture that time or, or is not literal. I believe it's literal. It's not making a comparison like First Peter will tell, or Peter tells us that, you know, that a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. This is literally saying a thousand years. And so for a thousand years, people will naturally be born into the system. We know that people live between 70 to 80, 90 years old. And so you got to imagine that over history, generations have been brought up under the governance, under the administration of Jesus. For a thousand years, the devil, the deceiver, has been locked up for a thousand years. But then this is quite interesting here. If we look back at, the, at, at uh, Revelations 2 and 3, chapter 20, it says, He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who was the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him through the abyss and locked and sealed it over him until the thousand years were ended, and after that he must be set free for a short time. Now I want you to notice something about these verses. It, specific, it specifically says the devil will be released for a short time. For a short time, a limited time, not a long time, a limited time, a very short time. After a thousand years where people have been born into this administration, into the rule where Jesus Christ has established his government, he's going to be released. But I purposely left out a little part of these verses here, verse 2 and 3. I purposely let out a little section here to just emphasize what I want to say next. It says that he locked and sealed it over him, keeping him from what? Deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free. He's thrown into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him. Why? To keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be set free. He was thrown into this bottomless pit for a reason. So he couldn't deceive the nations. He couldn't deceive the nations. This shows you the true nature of who the devil is. A liar, a deceiver. And that's why the Bible says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other animals. 
Because he is a deceiver. His ability to deceive is amazing. His ability to deceive is powerful. It is so powerful that Jesus says, I'm not going to let you do this for a thousand years. I am going to lock you up and throw you down to this bottomless pit. And after a thousand years, for a short time, the Bible says, he's going to be released. Now keep this in mind. People have been born over and over again throughout this thousand years. People are living in this time governed by Jesus. They know that if you disobey his law, it's not good. Jesus has set up his, his judges. I mean, everything is under the control of Jesus. But look what verse 7 says of chapter 20. When the thousand years were over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out and deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. And to gather them for battle in a number that they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. I want you to understand that for a thousand years, all people knew was the rule and reign of Christ here on earth. And for a short time, the deceiver was let free. And it was in this short amount of time that the devil was able to deceive the nations where the battle is described as those who are against Jesus, those who are against his government, those who are against the lordship of Christ here on earth, that he was able to gather so many people that the Bible describes them as sand on the seashore. That's how powerful a deceiver he is. That he is able in a brief moment to take the nations and turn them against the one who has brought peace and order for a thousand years. That's how powerful his deception is. That's how strong of a deceiver he is. The Bible makes it clear a short time. And during that time, he is able to deceive the nations to turn against the one who's brought peace and order where it's described as the sand on the seashore. People, millions and millions of people turn against Jesus. Why? Because Satan does what he does. He deceives. And that's the game that the devil plays. Deception. In just this brief moment, He's playing a game. Now, this is why Jesus warns us in Matthew 24. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the signs of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Jesus knows the power of deception. It's easy for us to be fooled. It's easy for us to be fooled. It's easy for us to be deceived. This is why Jesus prays for us. In John 17, it says, My prayer is not that you take them, who? His disciples. Not that you take them out of this world, but you protect them from the evil one. Jesus knows that we need God's protection against the one who deceives. This is why Paul was concerned for the church. Now, Paul had a good understanding of who the church was. Look at Look what, um, or the Bible says, the Bible says this about uh, the church. You, dear children, are from God and who has overcome because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 
Paul knew this. Paul knew that we were overcomers. John wrote about it. He testified about it. And Paul himself said this, if God is for us, who could be against us? Right? I mean, God is telling, Paul is telling us, listen, God's for us, man. Who could be against us? We had nothing to worry about. We got all of the, all of the resources, everything we need. God is with us. Woohoo! But Paul had his concerns. He said this, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul was well aware that, yes, we're overcomers. John told us, yes, God is for us. Who could be against us? But I also am afraid, I'm also aware that just as Eve fell for the deception of the enemy, you too may be led astray from pure and sincere devotion of Christ. This is the game that the devil plays. It's called deception. This is why the book of Revelation tells us the ability of our enemy. The great dragon, the Bible says, was hurled down. The ancient serpent who called the devil, or Satan, who, led, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Listen, I'm not sitting here just trying to make this up. But there is a deception that is happening in our world. And the Bible says that the whole world was led astray by the devil. Now, we as Christians, we don't believe that we are following anyone else except the Holy Spirit as he leads and directs us to, to God. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He's in us. We're not, we're not people that are trying to be deceived. Matter of fact, I was just talking to my brother-in-law this morning about needing discernment. That we need discernment in this world because there are so many deceptions, so many lies, so many things that we see, we watch, we read that are just taking, want to take us away from God. But we must be aware. We don't want to be a part of the whole world being led astray. Look at, look at how many people in our society today believe that we came from nothing, from this little thing that collapsed upon itself and it exploded and it's called the Big Bang and now we're here today because of some star that died for us. That's what they believe. They, how many people believe in this world that we actually have life here on earth because some rock turned into miraculously some, some bacteria and then all of a sudden became a frog and next thing you know, Uncle George is walking around. They believe that. There are people that, that have dedicated their life to these theories, to these false lies that are so, totally opposite of God's word. Why? Because they've been deceived. They're lost. And that's why the Bible says that he leads the whole world astray. This is why Jesus taught us the power of prayer because he knows that deception is powerful. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. We also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is why Jesus taught us to pray deliverance from the evil one. Listen, I, I'm a pretty smart guy, but I can get fooled. Especially when my little girls start batting their eyes. Dad, you're the greatest. Next thing you know, money just slips right from my wallet. I get fooled all the time. But I'm caught on to you, girl. <laughs> yeah, they're like, no, Dad, you're pretty smart. You, you fall for that. Eh? <laughs> but the thing is, we're easily fooled as people. But we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And that's why Jesus wants us to know the truth. That's why Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. 
I showed a video last week, and if you were here, you, you would know what this video is, but I want to show it once more. Last week when I showed that, how many was the first time that you saw that last week, right? Yeah, and, and then, but you saw it again today, and you knew that something was wrong immediately, right? You notice that the chair's kind of floating in the middle of the room, and, and you, notice, you know what's going to happen, that, that the perception, the cups are different size. You know that. Why? Because you know the truth. See, that's how we overcome deception, is by knowing the truth. When you know the truth, you don't fall for the lies. When you know the truth, you're not easily deceived. Why? Because truth, according to Scripture, sets us free. We don't have to live in deception. We don't have to live falling for all the lies the enemy has. Why? Because we know the truth. We know the Word of God. This is why Jesus said this, but when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will guide you into all truth. Why? Because He's telling you God's Word. He's telling you. Matter of fact, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will not come and speak His own words, but He's going to speak what I tell Him to say. And what does Jesus say? What the Father wants Him to say. It's all truth. It's all truth. And that's why Jesus prayed in 1717, John, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. This is why we must not fall for deception in our world, in our life, because we must hold on to the word of truth. We must be people of truth. That's why the Bible says we live by faith, not by sight, because what you see isn't the truth. What you see isn't the truth. What is the truth? Whatever God tells you is the truth. And if your sight lines up with God's truth, praise God. But if he tells you something, you hold on to what he says. You live by faith because he is the one who speaks truth. We must put our faith and our hope in the one who has never lied to us. We must be people who know the truth. When you know the truth, you will place your confidence in God's word. Look at what Proverbs 3 tells us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. You must trust in the word of God. You must trust not in what you think, not in what you reason with, or not in what you believe it says, but what it says. You must put your faith and your trust in the Lord and place all of your confidence in God's word. This is such an a, a awesome verse because it really does define who we are. We want to lean on our own understanding. We want to say, no, 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 no. This is the way it should be. And you know who comes in right away? is the devil. And he'll say, you're right. This doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound good. This isn't going to way it's going to work. Dave Ramsey will never approve of your financial giving. You know, God would never do that if he asked you to do this. God isn't like that. No, you shouldn't do that. And he just always tries to bring doubt. 
but you must place full confidence in God's word. And you must place confidence in it and, and speak confidence, believe confidence. Why? Because he'll never fail you. But what if I hear wrong? What if I get it wrong? Listen, we can't live like that. We can't live like people who are always worried about whether we get it wrong or right. You just keep seeking God, keep pursuing him. He'll let you know if you're wrong. And he'll let you know if you're misguided because he'll correct you. He'll use the word of God. He'll use other people in your life. He will get your attention. Don't worry. It's like when I was reading a book, a business book years ago. Uh, and he says, you know, the, the, the best thing I ever did was stop reading the newspaper. You know, the, you can tell the book was a little old, right? <laughs> I don't know if there's newspapers still around that where you get all our information from. But he says, the best thing I ever did was stop reading the newspaper. Because if it's really important, someone will let you know. And I, I just believe that if it's really important, God's going to let you know. God wants you to know. God is going to guide you in all truth. You don't have to worry about the details. You don't have to figure it out. Don't trust on your understanding, but trust in his word. And when you know the truth, you start to live in freedom and not fear. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from all the anxiety and worry and stress and fear of the things of this world. And we know the truth. Here's the truth. We're all going to heaven if we believe in Jesus Christ. Anything after that doesn't matter. Whatever we face, whatever we go through, it, it's only a short time before we get to heaven. And when we get to heaven, we're going to look back and say, man, I wasted all those years worrying about things that were meaningless. Worrying about things that never really were going to come about anyways because God was faithful and he was always with me. We must be people who know the truth and it sets us free from living in fear. So this morning, we don't have to fall for the deception that the devil plays. We don't have to fall for the game of deception. Because why we know the truth, we know Jesus, and he will guide us and direct us in all truth. But sometimes we do fall for deception in our life when we don't listen to the Father. Sometimes we look at ourselves and we think that we're less, or God isn't for us, or God isn't going to do it. Don't fall for those lies. Don't fall for those deceptions. Because God wants us to be free from those things. Remember, the Bible says that Satan was released for a short period and was able to turn nations against Jesus. Don't you think he's doing that with you right now? Of course he is. He wants to deceive, he wants to deceive me, he wants to deceive us. But we don't have to live by his rules. We don't have to play his game. We have the truth. And Jesus will guide and direct you in every step. So I pray this morning that you will hold on to God's word. Just as Jesus said, sanctify him by the truth. Your word is the truth. I pray you get into scripture. I pray you get into the Bible. Don't, don't believe what I say. Believe what he says. And he says that if you know my word, it will set you free. He says that my word is flawless and perfect. He said that his word would never fail. He says that his faithfulness never ends. Get into God's word. You read it for yourself. You believe it. If you have a hard time reading, listen to it on audio. Do whatever you can. If you, if you have a hard time seeing, man, there's apps that you can make fonts this big. You'll see it. Just do whatever you can. Get in God's Word. And I'll tell you, the deception, will those blinders will fall from your eyes and you will start to see truth. And you'll start to see that, you know what? God is with me. Just as He was with you when He promised He was going to heal you. Just as He is with you when we prayed that you would be healed. Just as He is with us every step of the way, we don't have to fall for the game of the devil. We're playing by different rules. We're playing by Jesus. Jesus is rules. Amen?